Hello and welcome to MASH Mouth, the podcast covering every single episode of the hit 1970s sitcom, MASH. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Ethan. Ethan, hello. So we don't have an opening topic today, so why don't we get right into this episode? That would be, I think, ideal. (laughs) Okay. Any objections? No? Okay. Perfect. Okay. Thank you for your input, audience. Uh, You know. (laughs) So in this episode of Moose and Men, Hawkeye saves the life of a very ungrateful colonel. But meanwhile, BJ acts as a marriage counselor and Frank activates full paranoia mode. Ethan, what did you think of this episode? I thought this episode was pretty much just fine. It wasn't like excellent and it wasn't like truly terrible. It was pretty middle of the road. I thought Frank's kind of paranoia storyline was like kind of funny. And I'll <laughs> go into like why I thought it was funny more uh, when we when we talk about it. And like the thing with like BJ and this this guy who's like having marital problems, I thought like really fell flat. I thought there was like <laughs> no good resolution to that. It was just like a really weird cop out, I guess. And like the the main storyline with Hawkeye and uh, this Colonel, right? That's his his uh, rank. Um, mm-hmm was like okay that was like the one that was trying to like say more and do like the mash commentary but it was like pretty basic mash commentary of like the normal lesson that we learn every episode that like yes hawkeye and bj and trapper and so on and so forth are good doctors uh but they are they are rapscallions and hooligans but like (laughs) it's all it's all okay because they're good at their job um Yes, I think I co-sign everything that you've just said. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> I really felt like this episode was trying to say several things and that it really didn't go anywhere with anything that it was trying to say. The Frank yeah. storyline was funny. The other two felt like they should have maybe been their own episodes. But also, even if they were, it didn't resolve any kind of anything. The narrative in both of them just like didn't really make that much sense to me. So I think that this episode had good parts, good dialogue, but as a whole, I didn't necessarily love this one. Yeah, I can see that. The some of its parts are not greater than its whole. You know what I mean? Like it it doesn't mm-hmm. come together very strongly, even if like the individual segments are like relatively fine on their own again without like a strong conclusion to really any of them but still this episode could have been stronger just in general i feel like we could have had a second pass at the uh the good old script i think that this definitely could have been revised to be a better stronger episode yeah all right so let's get into this episode yes so we start off like any good episode, with Frank and Hawkeye together alone. And you know that there's going to be trouble when those two are left alone with each other. Yes, this starts out immediately with Frank kind of being an idiot. And I thought it was very funny that Frank stops at a sign that says, hey, don't stop here, I will shoot. Um, (laughs) Just very classic Frank, you know, trying to get a picture of it. And I was like, giving him the benefit of the doubt i was like okay i could definitely see this being a picture that like Mm -hmm. you find in like the newspaper or like an old archive of war photographs but also like just examine the reality of taking that picture for a moment like yeah you probably shouldn't stop get out of your jeep (laughs) and then try to take a picture of it he's very lucky that he was not shot in the head right and they were shot at and right after this little portion Hawkeye and Frank come up to a checkpoint with um, a colonel who very much does not like Hawkeye right off the bat. And honestly, I can kind of see his point because Hawkeye kind of like slings mud on him accidentally. So I would be kind of pissed at that as well. But this starts out the main plot of the episode with this colonel not liking Hawkeye, essentially. Yeah, this starts an episode long grudge. That, again, maybe doesn't have the strongest conclusion, but we'll get to that. But I do want to point out uh, that I thought the mud that they put on this man was kind of insane because (laughs) it was like bright green mud. And I was just like, what is this? What is this mud supposed to be? Why is it like green paint? Look like a cartoon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
yeah, I I mean, I thought that the mud was fine. I did not see the bright green mud that you were referencing, but I will. Oh, no. I was not paying close attention, I guess. Um, but this colonel kind of reams Hawkeye out for this mud, this uh, little incident. But I, again, it wasn't Hawkeye's fault. He was obviously kind of just being a jerk about the whole thing. Hawkeye is kind of not taking the shit from this colonel yeah. and just drives away. As and, he typically does. Yeah, exactly. So this is very much just Hawkeye antics, you know, just yeah. not respecting authority, not really caring about the the military bureaucracy or, you know, the blowhards and stuff like that. And this colonel then gets wounded and is brought to the 4077. And immediately he's like, that guy, meaning Hawkeye, that guy, I do not want him to touch me. No way. Absolutely not. Yeah. So Frank and Hawkeye like come back to the camp and this kind of establishes uh, Frank's paranoia for the episode because when they get back, this this colonel's there and he's wounded and they say that he's like wounded from him and a bunch of like Koreans are wounded from like a, a bombing, I think. Um, mm-hmm. So this like sets off um Frank's paranoia, I guess, in tandem with being shot at through his own decisions uh, <laughs> that everyone in Korea who is, you know, a native Korean is just packed to the gills with bombs all of a sudden. This is a uh, really Frank feeling the fatigue, I guess. He's really going paranoid. This man needs some R&R. <laughs> yeah, I think that he needs uh, a little bit more than just R&R. He needs, you know, a brain rewiring at this point. <laughs> <laughs> But that paranoia is also kind of exhibited in the next scene as well that I thought was one of the highlights of the episode where Hawkeye and Frank are operating on the colonel and the civilians respectively. And I thought that this scene was great because of the shooting dialogue back and forth um, Mm -hmm. between Hawkeye's surgery comments and Frank's more like racist comments. (laughs) Um, And it really showcased the difference between the two doctors, which, again, we've seen before. I think that one of your criticisms of this episode was it's not new. We've seen all of these things before. But I did just think that it was still a highlight of the episode to have Hawkeye kind of working on this colonel who gave him a bunch of shit and was kind of mean to him um, very meticulously and saving his life. Meanwhile, Frank who had the Korean civilians do nothing to him, um, was just spouting out this really, like, vile, mean stuff. Um, So it it was just a really good scene. Frank was making all these, like, comments about, you know, very racist comments about, like, Koreans and just every... It was so bad. And uh, this look that I think Nurse Kelly gives him Mm -hmm. was so good. It was such, like, a a death stare, you know? And it was great because she was like wearing a surgical mask. So you only saw her eyes. But like you you really got that like, ooh, Frank has has offended someone. And I feel like we never actually get to see anyone be like actually offended by Frank. Like I really appreciated this look of like, hey, buddy, you've crossed the line from like a, what would normally be like a neutral third party. Yeah, it was really great because... She was. I. I didn't feel like she was giving him a death glare. She was just really surprised at what he was saying and how mean he was being and just mm-hmm. terrible. And that kind of gave him pause, you know. I and I think that that's really interesting because you know I think that Frank before has offended Hawkeye and Trapper and BJ and stuff with the terrible stuff that he says, but he doesn't take them seriously because he doesn't see them as people who he needs to take seriously and then to have nurse kelly be like whoa that's bad frank kind of was like oh embarrassed you know as he should be of course but he was definitely he realized that he was saying this stuff to a wider audience than just hawkeye or trapper or bj so yeah i i thought that that was that was a really good inclusion in this scene too yeah that that's really interesting and uh, with what you're saying, with him not taking Hawkeye seriously, it was funny that um, Frank's usual, like, oh, would you quiet down comments to Hawkeye were about Hawkeye, like, talking about how, you know, this man's dying and, like, his body's <laughs> been rearranged by, you know, a bomb. And Frank is acting as if, like, he made a joke about, like, sleeping with a nurse or something. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, very inconsequential. 
and Hawkeye's like actually taking it seriously for once. Like he's just like talking about the job um the way that like you would want in a professional environment and Frank is still like, "Oh, you dummy, would you stop with your motor mouth?" <laughs> um it was it was very funny. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into it a little bit later when we talk more about Frank, but I think that you had mentioned in a previous episode that Frank's storyline seemed to just be like winding down because yeah. there was just nothing really new that they could do with this character besides make him just mean and vile and evil, basically. Um, evil seems harsh, but also it's like evil in the stupidest way possible. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think that we will put a pin in that. But my last point on Frank for this portion is just like this felt almost tired, you know, I I was I think that this was the first time that I really felt like tired of Frank watching this series in order like this. I was like, oh, OK, this is like annoying now. <laughs> I get that. And even uh, Margaret, who's usually, you know, is his secondhand sidekick, um, just wasn't really on his side at all this episode. Like, I think Margaret was the uh, helping nurse with Hawkeye and she mm -hmm. was like on his side. So even like the characters in universe who are like designed to support Frank are like, all right, I I'm moving past this because I'm more of a dimensional person than <laughs> Frank is at this point. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of that, too, speaking of Margaret, there's this really nice exchange in the next scene, um, in the next scene of this storyline of Margaret congratulating Hawkeye for the great work that he has done in saving this soldier's life, because clearly it was supposed to be a very complicated difficult surgery and i think that it just kind of showcased again where their relationship was kind of going um yeah in terms of how margaret acts towards her job and her colleagues after frank leaves the show because it was still she she complimented him of course hawkeye made you know an off-color joke and she got irritated but I feel like it's almost middle ground at this point of her being like more respecting Hawkeye's work and respecting him as a doctor, even though he doesn't respect the army itself. Yeah, no, you you definitely do get that vibe Um, because he makes like a weird offhand joke about like sleeping with Margaret or whatever. And she's like, oh, come on, must you ruin everything like that I say that's like nice to you? Which felt like very fair and very rational. <laughs> um, you know, I was like, yeah, that that does make sense. Um, but yeah, there is a lot more like sweetness to Margaret with this interaction than like there would be in like season one or season mm -hmm. two. Like, there's very clear respect here, and I I really like that. And this episode, uh, for this like segment, is kind of about the respect that like Hawkeye uh, deserves like as a doctor because with this colonel who's wounded this guy has to learn throughout the course of this segment from basically everyone else in camp how good of a doctor Hawkeye actually is and how much like respect he deserves um, that if it wasn't Hawkeye who operated he would be dead yeah I think that the I think that the through line is a little bit clearer when you put it that way. And I think that that's actually pretty interesting um, where this scene with the colonel who is still unconscious at this point and Margaret saying, hey, I respect you as a doctor and good work and whatnot. I think that that kind of sets up for that storyline of this colonel not respecting Hawkeye as a doctor. And I do also think that it's very interesting, too, that this is, I don't want to say for sure, <laughs> but this is okay. almost the first time that Hawkeye being a good doctor doesn't get him out of trouble. Yeah. Um, and I thought that that was, that was a particularly interesting point. But like I said, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but that ends up falling a little bit flat for me. But I do, now talking about it with you, I do see kind of like where the writers were coming from with that. Um, mm -hmm. so speaking of this colonel, when this colonel wakes up, he asks for Colonel Potter 
And the first thing out of his mouth when he wakes up from surgery is that he wants Hawkeye disciplined because he doesn't respect the war. And I just think that the... The commentary here was good. Like, I I didn't hate this episode because of Mm -hmm. commentary like this, of this guy just not caring that somebody saved his life. I mean, at this point, he didn't necessarily know that. But then Colonel Potter tells him, hey, listen, this doctor saved your life. Are you sure you want him to be disciplined? And he's like, "Mm, yeah, I do, actually. He needs to respect the army and respect the war. (laughs) Um, And he kind of doesn't budge on that very much. Yeah. And I I just I think that the commentary here is quite powerful that despite <laughs> this man's life being saved, he doesn't care about the saving lives aspect. He cares about the war aspect and that is so much part of the problem. But he doesn't really care about the war aspect. He just cares about that Hawkeye like personally disrespected him, that he like slinged mud on him. Um that's how like I took it. I mean, sure, he, like, justifies it as, like, war stuff. But I think he just had a personal grudge against Hawkeye and just thought he was, like, a fool. And I will say, like, this part of the episode is definitely the strongest part. We might have, like, our our overall problems with this episode. But I I think this part, like, works for the most part. It works better than any of the the other storylines in terms of, like, dramatic tension. Um, I, I do wish that this was like the whole episode, like you said, I think it would work just a lot better if we had a lot more time to kind of go through this guy's character arc. Cause like you said, he talks to Colonel Potter and realizes that Colonel Potter wasn't the one who operated on him. And if, uh, Hawkeye didn't operate on him, he would be dead. So he does like very reluctantly be like, okay, 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 sure, buddy. I won't <laughs> knock you down for this. I won't, uh, you know, reprimand you to whatever version of reprimanding this guy saw fit. Um, <laughs> I'll just, like, send you on your way. And it was funny because Hawkeye's, like, reaction to that was like, okay, good? Um, like, he was just like, yeah, sure, <laughs> that that works. <laughs> Before we get into that, though, I want to back up a little bit to this part with Colonel Potter still because... I do I do think that you're right that this guy kind of had this personal vendetta against Hawkeye, but I do think that it was tied to him being such a military person because Colonel Potter does say, hey, listen, like I'm regular army too, but you know, you have to be respectful of the doctors that save the people's lives who then go and fight the war, which is of course like the whole kind of plot of the show that's like a big overarching theme in the show of course but I think that that is also showcased in this colonel saying to Colonel Potter oh like I'm not questioning your command and your your command of your outfit basically yeah when Colonel Potter gives him some pushback about disciplining Hawkeye and the fact that he thinks that Colonel Potter is upset that he's supposedly questioning his command rather than just not having basic respect for doctors who save people, I think says a lot about this character. That's fair. Uh, that That's actually very fair. And I liked um, what this said about Colonel Potter, too, that, you know, he hasn't been there for that long, but he he understands who Hawkeye is. Like, he, he gets mm-hmm. that Hawkeye's not a military guy. And, like, that's fine. And I know we talked about in a previous episode that, like, uh, Colonel Potter is close to retirement, so maybe that's why he's a little more loosey-goosey with it. If he was, like, a younger man who's, you know, there for many more years, maybe he would have more of a problem. But I really liked that uh, Colonel Potter didn't, like, defend Hawkeye as this, like, you know, perfectly military guy who's like, yes... He doesn't follow the rules, and that's fine, because he's just, Mm -hmm. like, who he is. I thought it was really interesting and, like, really a great showcase of this, like, still new character being so, like, accepting of, you know, just people not exactly following the, the rules, but still being a good, like, 
participant in the military society that they all have to deal with while in this war. Yeah, and I think that this is really cool for Colonel Potter's character, too, because he, as a character, holds <laughs> holds multitudes, right? Because he is regular <laughs> army, but he is a doctor as well. Um, yeah. So he kind of gets both perspectives. And I think that that's, that is just a really valuable thing for the writers to utilize, especially in situations like this, because he can kind of see both perspectives and understand. Mm-hmm. This is an interesting bit of commentary. I wish this is more fleshed out. Uh, like I said, I, I wish there was more than just these three scenes in this episode that like comprise this character's arc. I think there was like meat on the bone for like an entire episode, like him mm-hmm. kind of learning for everybody in camp that Hawkeye is good doctor. Um, could have been like really cool. Well, yeah, and speaking of that too, speaking of this only comprising basically three major scenes. After Colonel Potter talks to this mean colonel, the colonel calls Hawkeye in and basically doesn't take anything that Colonel Potter says to heart. He yeah. doesn't think about it. He doesn't care. He says to Hawkeye, I've been doing what I do for a really long time and no one's ever thanked me for the work that I do. Why should I thank you for the work right, that you've right. done? And I'm like, did this guy just forget that he had this conversation with Colonel Potter that if not for this man in front of him, he would not be alive. Like, I'm sorry, but you're dropping bombs on people and then equating it to saving lives. I don't know. Seems like seems like kind of crazy to me. And again, not to say that the people who are actually doing the fighting in the war are bad people. They're not. But the idea that this is the same thing and he should be thanked for fighting a war more so than Hawkeye should be thanked for saving lives. I don't know. Just doesn't just doesn't sit right with me. And I hated this whole I hated his character so much because of this. No, that's a really interesting point. I I like that this guy was so flawed um, that he just kind of was uh, a jackass through and through. I thought that was like kind of cool because usually in this show, like, Hawkeye or BJ or Trapper like would do good and then it's like well you're off the hook because I can see you do a good job and I'm a man who respects a good job but uh this guy had to be so you know coerced into respecting the authority of Hawkeye like this guy says like I respect your CO not you that's the only reason I'm not punishing you right right exactly and I I just think that that tells you so much about him. He doesn't respect Hawkeye (laughs) for saving his life. He respects Colonel Potter and Colonel Potter is in charge of Hawkeye. So that's why he's not throwing the book at him or whatever. And I I don't know. I I don't know why I have such a visceral reaction to this man, but I just truly hated it. And Mm -hmm. like you said before, Hawkeye's like, okay, great. Thanks, I guess. And kind of makes a joke out of it because yeah. obviously, like, what else is he supposed to do, right? But I don't know. It 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 just didn't, I don't know. It just didn't make any sense also from the writer's perspective to have Hawkeye. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Um, it's okay. I don't, know where I, left, I don't know where I left off either. I'm just, like, kind of ranting. Um, it's fine. That's super fun. I enjoy rant. Let me hear a rant. <laughs> Like I said, I don't know why I'm having such a visceral response to this man, but I just hated him so much. I hated his hypocrisy. And I guess if that's what the writers were going for of us hating this guy, they've succeeded because I certainly hate him. I will say the writers did something interesting with Hawkeye's character that I feel like almost indicates a change in his characterization Mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, because Hawkeye does soften as the rest of the series goes on. And you can kind of start seeing that a little bit in this season. Um, because I feel like Hawkeye would have been a little bit mouthier, you know, (laughs) with this colonel in the past. (laughs) Um, and he kind of just, he was being very sarcastic about it of like, oh, thank you so much for not throwing the book at me after I saved your life. Oh, he's going to let me go. Like he he was being kind of 
a jerk about it, but in a very justified way, I felt. But I think that I think that this says more about him in terms of he let it go, essentially, because he's kind of learning that you need to pick your battles and Ooh. decide who is worth yelling at, who is worth your time and your energy like that. And I think that this might be the first real indicator that Hawkeye is changing in that way. And yeah, so I, ju- I just wanted to throw that in there as well. Our guy is growing up. Look at him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> gaining maturity, supposedly. I, I refuse to believe that Hawkeye is uh, maturing in any way. I want to believe <laughs> that he's still that wild party animal that he was in season one in season 11. But we will see. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I understand your frustration. I personally didn't mind it. I kind of like when, you know, things aren't quite so neat character arcs when there are these kind of messy resolutions. You know, not everybody can be changed and everybody can learn a lesson. And I thought it was interesting that this guy was just like a jerk the entire time and wasn't like, wow, what a good doctor. I'm going to change the way I think about things. He was just like, no, I'm, I'm a jerk, but I'm also like, fine, sure, buddy. I won't punish you for saving my life essentially yeah i think that um just to wrap up our discussion about this portion of the episode my final thoughts about it are that i think that the reason that i just didn't like this episode was because i think that there was just opportunity here that the the writers kind of missed i think that the whole thing kind of just played very odd with this colonel not having any sort of change to him um, after his discussion with Colonel Potter, how Hawkeye was kind of dismissive of it. Um, mm-hmm. I I guess the whole thing was kind of realistic in a way in terms of Hawkeye would realistically get in a lot more trouble than he actually does if he acted the way that he did. Um, I, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> and like we mentioned, this is kind of one of the times that his being a good doctor doesn't save him completely. Mm -hmm. But again, I think that it was weird for me narratively because I feel like the Colonel should have, I don't know, done something Hawkeye should have changed also in some way, like some kind of different perspective or both of them. Like, I don't know. I think that, I think that, if the writers had chosen to go a more fleshed out way or a more fleshed out route with this episode and this storyline in particular, it could have been like, oh, Hawkeye gains respect for this colonel at the same time that this colonel gains respect for Hawkeye, even though they have two very different perspectives on whatever, they can get to a place of mutual respect. And that just didn't happen here. And like you said, it's fine because... Not everybody does change that way, but I think that in that case, it should have been much more like Colonel Potter almost stepping in, you know, like we said of him kind of towing those two lines of regular army versus being a doctor um, and being like, hey, listen, you're not going to change everybody, Hawkeye. You're not going to right. get respect from everybody and kind of just right, right. adding more to that. I know that I'm going on a huge rant about this, but I I just I wanted this no, episode to be better. <laughs> no, I get you. I think the the better version of this would be if like Hawkeye needs to learn the lesson that like not everyone can be changed. I thought that would have been like or now I think that would be a lot stronger. Like if there was a scene like you said where like Colonel Potter has to kind of swoop in and be like dad to Hawkeye and be like, mm-hmm. now listen, son, some people are just jerks and they're going to be jerks <laughs> until the day they die. And if it was like, you know, the entire 26 minute runtime kind of learning this one lesson could have been a very strong episode of television. But, you know, we only have about like six minutes of this entire episode to dedicate to it. <laughs> so... You know, we give and take, I guess. But I I do understand now where you're coming from. And I do agree that, like, this portion could have been really, really strong if it was, like, expanded out. And it was just kind of, like, one of three things in this episode. And 
Speaking of which, I think we should move on to the storyline that kind of really bothered me being uh, <laughs> BJ's storyline with uh, this guy who's having marital problems. Do you want to do you want to get into that a little bit? Yes, because I think we've talked to death this one portion with Hawkeye <laughs> and this colonel. So let's yes. let's talk about that. Um, so at the same time that Hawkeye is having all these problems with this colonel, BJ is being a marriage counselor to Sergeant Zale, who we've seen in previous episodes before. Um, mm-hmm. But this is, I think, one of the first times that he's gotten his own more like direct storyline. Yeah, I know we've seen him before. But this is like one of the first times we've seen him be like an actual character and not just like a poker buddy. I feel like right, he's a poker right. buddy before this. Yeah, he for sure is. Um, I very much didn't like Sergeant Zale in this in this <laughs> episode, but I did like BJ in this episode. So some context, Sergeant Zale gets this Dear John letter, I believe, from his wife of Or 10... Dear John adjacent. Yeah, like she's not breaking up with him necessarily, but she is saying how she was unfaithful to him. And BJ then kind of counsels Zale through his wife's infidelity because he is very, very broken up about it. And in fact, Mm -hmm. breaks his hand about it. (laughs) Yes, that part was very funny. I enjoyed that part that instantly BJ was like, congratulations, your hand is now Maraca. (laughs) Yes, I thought that that was that was very funny. Um, I liked this portion a little bit until I didn't. Because I liked how the writers kind of flipped the script with the wife cheating on the service member who is away at war. I know that we saw that briefly with Henry, but that kind of didn't go anywhere. And unfortunately, spoiler alert, this doesn't necessarily really go anywhere either. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think that it's kind of one of the only times that we've seen so far that the writers have taken infidelity as... A bad thing. Dumpling serious. Yeah. I yeah, get exactly. Exactly. One thing that I thought was interesting for like the beginning of the storyline is that, you know, at first, uh, Zale's kind of emotions were entirely valid. I felt like his wife cheated on him. So like, yes, BJ says like, oh, the woman who wrote this deserves a second chance. But also like, if you're in a relationship and you don't want to be cheated on, you're entirely within your right to be like, all right, well, it's over. <laughs> like, that, yeah. that's totally valid and totally fine. So at first it was like, oh, this is really interesting. I wonder how they're going to navigate uh, this complicated thing with, like, BJ trying to persuade him to be like, no, 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 you got to give it another chance when, you know, getting cheated on is is arguably the worst thing you could do in a relationship. Um you know, uh, so I thought this is really interesting. And then, like, the way that the storyline ends, I was like, all right, come on. We're just kind of having a cop out right now. Come on. <laughs> what I liked about these initial scenes with BJ kind of rationalizing why Sergeant Zale's wife would cheat on him and why Sergeant Zale should give his wife a second chance is because we have kind of always overlooked the cheating of the guys before in, mm-hmm. you know, the entire series thus far, because you almost understood it as, like, why it would happen. Not that it makes it right, but they're in these really unimaginable situations. They may die, et cetera, et cetera. But meanwhile, it's really just as plausible for the people who are back home these significant others of the people who are in the war right. to also be in this really unimaginable situation and be lonely and upset and scared, just like, well, I shouldn't say just like, because it's not really the same exact thing, but in a way that is similar to the person who is in Korea at the time. So I thought that it was really interesting that we got that flipped script. Um, and then, like you said, it just it just doesn't. Yeah. It, doesn't culminate in a very good ending in my opinion <laughs> no you're you're right though um i i think that's very interesting that's not something i really thought about um i love your your perspective on this that it is kind of uh the exact same thing that like happens to the wives um except you know the wives have the common decency to uh 
notify their husband that they've done so um, <laughs> yeah. rather, rather than like hiding it for the rest of their lives potentially but you're right that like of course you know obviously cheating is is a difficult bad thing to do but given the circumstances like you, even if you're at home you're constantly thinking about like oh is my husband going to get back high stress very lonely like it is understandable to a degree why someone would pursue another relationship while their spouse is away like that that does make sense on paper and it is cool that we got to see this like other side of it this like taste of your own medicine thing especially with like a minor character like zale where it's not like henry and we have to like have 20 more episodes with henry being like i don't want my wife to (laughs) cheat on me but also I'm cheating on her. Like it's, you know, it's right. right. There was like less stakes in that character because like, we don't know him as well. We don't know that he's cheating on his wife during the beginning of the storyline. So it's more like ambiguous and like cool. And then the, the reveal of, Oh, by the way, he has a Korean girlfriend and you know, he's, he doesn't see any irony in that at all. It's like, <laughs> all right, sure, let's just flatten this all out. Let's make this not a nuanced discussion. Let's just say, hey, we're both cheating. So technically, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's essentially what happens. Because, again, for context, BJ kind of helps Zale write this letter to his wife for giving her, et cetera, et cetera. And then when he finishes it, he goes to find Zale and Radar says, oh, he's with, first of all, side note, Radar says, oh, he's with his moose, referring mm-hmm. to Zale's Korean girlfriend. And I was actually really surprised by that because of the episode, The Moose, in yeah. in season one. That was like episode three. Yeah. So I was, I was honestly really surprised that Radar used that language. That was just a side note. I, I, mm-hmm. I was just really surprised. And um, I, while we're on the side note, I was really, uh, I didn't pick this up on the first watch, but on my like second watch, I realized that BJ had no idea what that meant. Mm-hmm. I, I really appreciated that little detail that BJ is like to- so new to this that he's not picked up on the uh, vernacular and shorthand and like euphemisms yet that he heard he's with his moose and like laughed and was like, he has a moose? Like the the animal, like he thought he had a pet moose somewhere. Right, right, um, exactly. So I thought that was really funny. And then like, oh, never mind. He he's like with someone, and that you know deflates the whole thing for BJ. Yeah, BJ kind of is just like, yeah, okay, that's great. And BJ does kind of give him a little bit of pushback. He's like, oh, you don't see the irony in this at all. Um, mm-hmm. and that's when BJ kind of just gives Zale the letter and is like, here, do whatever you want with this. You're kind of an asshole. That's it. <laughs> yeah. He's like, ah, to err is human and forgiveness is divine. But in your case, it might be the other way around, which I didn't <laughs> understand at all. But I, I assume that's clever wordplay, which is something yeah. I'm not fully picking up on in this moment. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think that BJ is more like, yeah, your wife knows that you're cheating on her. So she cheated on you back, essentially. Perhaps. perhaps. <laughs> so, and that again fell pretty flat for me because if this story, if this storyline had been given the room to breathe, it would have been so much better. Of like I said, either showcasing the hypocrisy, like it could have ended the same way, and then had that kind of like larger discussion about cheating in general, and mm-hmm. again flipping the script of the wife cheating and feeling bad about it and having it get and giving it the room it needs to breathe and become a real storyline. Um, and that just, again, did not happen here. So it was like, okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, all right. So they both cheated and we're done. Uh, good night, everybody. We're going to talk about Frank now. Um, <laughs> you know, there wasn't, <laughs> there wasn't like a strong point being made. It was just like, ha, he was so upset. Isn't it funny that he was also not being faithful and like it is more of a punchline and kind of a cop out to what I thought would have been a much more interesting storyline. Um, but oh, well, because we do have some funny sh- uh, Frank shenanigans uh, coming up. <laughs> Oddly enough, when I watched this the second time, because I did have to watch it twice, mm-hmm. Frank's 
kind of paranoia in this episode was actually one of my favorite parts. <laughs> mm-hmm. I actually love this bit, like on rewatch, like you said. Just something about it, like, really works. There's something really funny about this man checking his toothpaste for a bomb as if that's a normal thing to do. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that, of course, the comedy really worked for this. um, And it's totally plausible that Frank would start, like, becoming paranoid. But I liked that this was almost continuity for this season because we have seen Frank be really paranoid before as well with the in the episode the kids when he is just like they're stealing everything from me and this that the other thing and then in a few episodes back with sydney he was obsessed with the air raids (laughs) right this season actually isn't about the rubber band of frank's character being stretched to the limit it's just about frank needing some r&r and refusing to take it because clearly he's having some like mental fatigue He's, like, exhausted and worn out and, like, building himself up into these crazy cycles when he just needs to, like, chill out for five minutes. Well, I do think that it is kind of stretching the rubber band of Frank's character, but in that exact way of, like, stretching Frank to his mental breaking point. (laughs) Is that why he leaves the show? (laughs) I don't want to spoil it for you, but... Knowing what I know about Frank leaving, it's actually kind of funny to see these little things sprinkled in. So, yeah. So I, for anyone who knows the circumstances of Frank leaving, I think that this is actually quite funny to see this buildup of him just being super, super paranoid and and really against the Korean people and and whatnot. So, yeah, I, I, I like I appreciated this part specifically for that. Uh, dude, now I am, like, so interested in that. For <laughs> for people who don't know, people just, like, tuning in, I have not seen the entire show. I have not seen any of the season we're currently discussing before uh, this, this podcast recording. So I have no idea uh, how or when Frank leaves. So now I'm, like, looking for clues. I'm like, okay, is it his paranoia? Is it just a building sense of like, we got to get this guy out of here. He's no longer functioning properly in Korea. He needs to go home. Now I'm really interested. And uh, <laughs> I thought the like, conclusion to all this was very funny, too. What, what do you think about the, the like end of the episode? Oh, it was so good with the kimchi. <laughs> yeah. When Frank thought that these Korean civilians were burying a bomb like three feet from his tent in broad daylight because that's definitely what was happening um and then it turns out that it's just a pot of kimchi that they buried in the ground fermenting oh that was so funny i loved that and honestly this is actually quite funny for me because i know that kimchi became like a tiktok food (laughs) right so hearing people talk about kimchi (laughs) back in the 70s i'm like of course and of course like kimchi is a traditional korean dish people have been eating it for many centuries but (laughs) to have like such a a modern trendy food be mentioned back in the 70s is is very funny to me it's so funny because my mom and sister were literally talking about that tiktok trend like two nights ago at dinner. So it was like, it was kind of bewildering to be like, oh my God, that's what kimchi is? You put it in the ground? Like, I had no idea. I just thought it was like Korean sauerkraut, more or less. I did not know you ferment it in the ground. That's like a really I don't cool... think that you necessarily need to ferment it in the ground. Um, I think that but they were could. just fermenting it in the ground. But yeah, yeah, you can, defi- you can definitely ferment it in the ground. And... I think that it's really funny that they did decide to put it in the ground because kimchi is known for its like very strong smell. So they were Ooh. probably just trying not to offend the Americans with the oh, very strong sure. smell of the kimchi. So really, Frank Burns was being a jerk. Frank Burns eats worms. That's the end. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved uh, before the kimchi reveal that it's kind of set up like, a, you know, Alfred Hitchcock rear window where he, like, sees something, it's like, oh, my God, they're going to do something, and they're just making food. Like, it's, it's <laughs> such a funny, like, I, I I choose to believe that was, like, a Hitchcock reference of, like, using the language of rear window 
to build up to nothing. It was so... (laughs) It it was a joke that, like, legitimately made me laugh really hard. It was really good. Because, of course, you know that there's not these people burying a bomb. (laughs) So, you know, like, you know it's going to lead to nothing. And that it's just great. It, It was very funny. And I think that, again, I really liked the paranoia continuity with Frank um, that we've been getting in this season. You know that it's a weak episode when Frank Burns is the objective best part of the episode. (laughs) You're 100% right. That's how you know that this episode is lacking. (laughs) So, Ethan, I didn't have too many good lines that I noted in this episode, but I had a couple. Did you have any? I really like when... Potter's like explaining to the colonel who Hawkeye saved his life that Potter explains that if Hawkeye didn't operate on him, he would be a bag of cold cuts by now. That's just (laughs) such a funny way to describe death that like once you die, you just become cold cuts. I appreciated that. (laughs) That was a good one. Um, This is when Frank is using the metal detector to find the pot of kimchi that the Korean civilians had buried. Um, and, and BJ says to Hawkeye, what's Frank up to? And Hawkeye says, I think he's vacuuming Korea. Eisenhower's coming and he wants everything just so. (laughs) And it felt so, I don't know, old school language to me. Just the, the just so part. I don't Mm -hmm. know. I just, I loved it. It was, it made me laugh really hard. So Vanessa, do you have any trivia for us in this episode? I do. Okay. So I have some trivia about Tim Connor, who played Colonel Spiker in this episode, who was the mean colonel, by the way. Of course. (laughs) Tim O'Connor was born in 1927 in Chicago, Illinois. And before he relocated to California, he lived in Bloomingdale, New Jersey. Ooh, another semi-New Jersey native. We love it. (laughs) O'Connor was known as a character actor and mostly played military roles, which honestly makes a lot of sense because he looked a lot like a military guy. He had the look going down and he was really good at it in this episode. Some people just have that vibe. You know, there's Arlie Ermey. There's other military dudes. Just, you know, some people are just born to play military men on screen. Absolutely agree. And he is one of them. O'Connor started his acting career in the late 1940s and had a really prolific career throughout the 60s, 70s, and 80s. He guest appeared in shows like Shirley Temple's Storybook, The Twilight Zone, The Defenders, and he is probably best known for his role in the soap opera Peyton Place as Elliot Carson. Oh, okay. I have not heard of uh, Peyton Place, but of course, Twilight Zone and even Shirley Temple. I feel like those are all pretty iconic. If it's the same Peyton Place as in the We Didn't Start the Fire Billy Joel song, I have heard of it. But if it's not, then I have not. (laughs) It might be. That song references literally everything from the course of 1920 to 1982. So, like, it's probably (laughs) in there. Other appearances of O'Connor's include the original Hawaii Five-0, Gunsmoke, the FBI, the Rockford Files, All in the Family, Columbo, Barnaby Jones, and of course, Trapper John, MD. Wow, the pipeline is so strong. (laughs) We have to find these episodes. But what's funny about um, his appearance in Trapper John, MD, he also came back on MASH in season nine in 1981 as a different character. But before that was when he guest starred on Trapper John MD in 1980. So like, honestly, kind of time travel going on here. The the MASH multiverse is uh, <laughs> vast and complicated. Apparently. O'Connor was also in Murder, She Wrote, the TV movie reunion of Peyton Place, where he reprised his role, Dallas, Doogie Hauser, and General Hospital. And unfortunately, O'Connor passed away in 2018 from colon cancer at the age of 90. Wow, a lot of like long-running people in this cast. Yeah, definitely. And I also have some trivia about Johnny Hamer, who played Sergeant Zale in this episode. Perfect. I'm excited to hear about him. Johnny Hamer was born Hamer Lionel Fleeg in 1920 in St. Louis, Missouri, to Jewish immigrant parents. Hamer graduated from the University of Missouri in 1942 after majoring in speech and specializing, or what I assume is minoring, in dramatic impressions. (laughs) Dramatic impressions? That's quite the minor. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) 
Hamer was another character actor and guest starred in many popular TV shows, including The Dick Van Dyke Show, Hogan's Heroes, SWAT, Mork and Mindy, Three's Company, Cagney and Lacey, The Jeffersons, Punky Brewster, and one of my favorites, The Golden Girls. Big sitcom man, okay. Hamer was also in 20 episodes of MASH from season two to season eight, so we have a lot more time with Sergeant Zale to go. I'm actually very excited about that because I, I really like his vibe. I think he's got very fun energy. I like his voice a lot. I uh, don't love the fact that he's kind of hypocritical about cheating on his wife, but like, who isn't in the show? <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> Hamer also had a starring role in the comedy series Madam's Place, appearing in every episode except one. Oh, that's great. We love a regular Hamer also appeared in several movies, including Annie Hall, Real Life, and and Justice for All, one of my all-time favorites. I love Annie Hall, uh, despite the Woody Allen of it all. (laughs) Hamer was also a voice actor and did a lot of work in children's cartoons in the 80s, like Alvin and the Chipmunks, Transformers, and G.I. Joe. That makes sense. He has a very distinct voice. He does. And unfortunately, Hamer passed away in 1989 of cancer at 69 years old. I mean, that's unfortunate, but seems like he has a great career, so that's good to know. Yeah, definitely. Okay, Ethan, so what was your martini rating for this episode? You know, it's always tough because I enjoy our discussion, but I feel like this episode just isn't very good. I feel like I have to go lower than I tend to go. I feel like this is a good uh, two out of five. Not feeling very tipsy from this one, you know what I mean? Wow, that's interesting, because I was thinking it was more a 2.5 to 3 for me. No, Um, I feel like this is below average. Yeah, I don't know. I think that for me, the parts, like I said, were good, but the overall just fell a little bit flat. But I still liked what each part was trying to say. But I think that I would give it just a middle of the road two and a half. Wow, a rare day, a rare day. (laughs) Um, But, you know, as always respect for your your rating thank you thank you very much <laughs> okay so just to wrap up we'd like to give thanks to jacob Barabalco for being our technical consultant melissa my sister for cover art and of course our listeners thank you so much our music social media and contacts for the show are linked in the description as always and join us next week for season four episode 13 soldier of the month but until then remember to bury your kimchi in the ground to get an authentic ferment goodbye farewell and amen bye everyone <laughs>